So we've been doing a hymn every Sunday, and um, I think I, this is one of my favorites. So I'm going to play through it first, and then I'll, I'll stand y'all up, and y'all can sing like you've been doing, okay? It's a good song. Stand up. Blessed First Thessalonians 2 4. God has approved and accepted me. Jeremiah 20 and 11. God has a great plan for my life. First Corinthians 2 16. I have the mind of Christ. Uh, Philippians 1 6. God will finish the good work he started in me. Luke 4 18. The Lord has anointed me. I am anointed. God has a great plan for my life. And I will fulfill my destiny. Before you I fist bump somebody and say, we're starting a new series today. Y'all can be seated in Jesus' name. And you know what? We're starting a new series, not because of y'all, because of second service. Because second service got all the questions right last Sunday. I'm serious. I promise you. I'm telling you the truth. I'm serious. I'm not lying to y'all. They got them all right, and they got them loud, too. Loud. I mean, they did it good. I was very, very proud of them. But y'all, no, 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 no. But for their sake, we're starting a new series, okay? Okay, uh, cell phones muted, Bible's ready. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 11, Romans 11, that'd be a great place to turn to. Romans 11, 29 would be a good scripture to look at today. Uh, we're starting a new series, and for your notes, the title of it is Perfect Gifts for imperfect people. Perfect gifts for imperfect people. Here's what we're going to do in this series. It's a short series. We're going to look at different people in the Bible that God gifted, and we're going to look at their lives and see how they screwed things up 
over and over and over again, yet God still used them to do supernatural things. Everybody say the word supernatural. Okay, do you know that God can use natural people like you who do natural things? He can use you to do supernatural things. Do you know that? So that's my burden for this message, for you to leave every Sunday for the next few weeks knowing that no matter what you're going through in life or whatever's coming against you, God can still use you and wants to use you, and he is not shocked at the sin in your life. He knew you would sin. That's why Jesus came to earth, not to condemn us, but to save us and to bring us grace on a regular basis. So uh, you might recognize the opening scripture for today. Tell me if you've ever seen it before or not, okay? Ephesians 4, 8 through 13 says that Jesus left earth and he left giving gifts. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Have you ever seen this scripture before? Okay, for the past 10 weeks maybe? Okay, we'll use different opening scriptures, but today this is what we're going to look at because today we're going to look at two of these gifts. And for your notes, the uh, title of part one is this, Prophet and Pastor. Prophet and Pastor. We're going to look at a prophet today. We're going to look at a pastor today who God used in mighty, mighty ways. And we're going to go through their life and look at the supernatural things God used them for while they were still doing natural things on the side. Many times in life, all we look at is our failures, our sin, our disobedience, um, our faults, and we count ourselves out for God using us to do uh, supernatural things like healing people miraculously or speaking a word of wisdom into somebody's life or praying and just like that, God answers the prayer. Uh, amazing things God wants to do in life. And, and we, see people like, um, we see people like Mona and we think, well, you know, when God gave her a gift, he knew what he was doing. Because she prays so well and she loves the Word of God. But when God gave me a gift, he really screwed up. Because he didn't know I was going to do things and I was going to mess stuff up. And we see people like the V's, Mr. and Miss V. And we think, man, they've probably never gotten into a fight their entire marriage. (laughs) That's what we think. And we think, we think when God gave, we can talk after service. We think that when, when God gave them a gift, he knew what he was doing. Right, if he, gave, he knew, he knew, because he knew that they would be such godly people. But when God was wanting to bless me, he couldn't do it because of the things I've done wrong. Okay, listen, Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means no matter what you ever do, the gift is still there and God wants you to use it. Do you know that unsaved people have gifts from God and they use them just in the wrong way? There are people with prophetic gifts out there who are unsaved and they're using their gifts to, to sell Amway or something. I don't know what they're using it for, but they're not using it. But they still have the gift. You still have the gift. Um, there are two types of people I find in the world, and I would dare say that our church is kind of uh, 50-50 on both sides. There's people who battle arrogance and pride, and they think, man, I'm better than everybody else. And when they see someone else with a gift, and they're thinking, man, why do they live that way? And that, What they're really saying is, I'm better than you, and if God gave me that gift, I wouldn't do those things in that way. Then the other side of the table is people that think, man, everybody's better than me. Man, God, God just he, I know he wants to bless me, but he can't do it because I'm not as good as everybody else. Those are the two sides of the camp. we got to come in the balance, in the middle of it, and realize, yes, we're natural people, but yes, God is supernatural, and he wants to use humans. He, just like when we talked last week about writing the Bible, you know, God could have written the Bible himself. He's got a hand, 
but he wanted to use fallible people. He wanted to use flawed people. He, he connects with human race. That's his whole desire is to connect with us. That's why he sent Jesus. Proverbs 18, 16 says that our gift is what opens doors and makes room for us. So no matter what you're going through in life, if you will use the gift that God's given you, and we're going to go through a lot of gifts in this series. There's a gift of giving. There's a gift of encouragement. There's a gift of, um, of organization. If you'll use the gift God gave you, he'll open the door to healing. He'll open the door to restoration. He'll open the door to miracles. But you got to use your gift. So don't count yourself out no matter what you've done. Using your gift is what God uses to change your life. If you need a door to open up, here's how you do it. You use your gift, and God will open the door. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up uh, when I was a kid, and I hung out with the wrong people uh, living in the wrong place. Um, my father, he, he, he was like a craftsman, and he would make things like out of wood and clay and stuff, and he'd sell them to people who would actually use them for idol worship. And at one point, God spoke to my father and told him that we should move our family to a different city away from that, and he didn't listen. Uh, later on in life, he finally passed away, and then God spoke to me, and I took uh, my family, and we moved where God told us to move. Um, during that time, my wife and I were traveling to a, a different country. It wasn't a vacation. We were just traveling through somewhere. And there was a bunch of guys, and I didn't know, I thought they had some weapons or something, and I got scared, and they were looking at my wife, and so I told my wife to go sleep with them uh, in order to save my life because I didn't want to be hurt. Um, after that, I started tithing, which is a good thing to do. I started tithing. Then after that, I ended up sleeping with a woman that I was not married to. I uh, thought God was done with me, but then he came to me one day and spoke to me and told me he wanted to have a covenant with me, like a, like a, a relationship, a covenant. He told me he would bless me in abundance. He told me I'd be a blessing to others. He said, if anybody came against me, he would take care of it. I thought, well, God, what's my part of the covenant? And God told me, I want you to cut off a piece of your wiener. And I said, God, I don't really want to do that. And he said, no, that's the sign that, that, that we're going to have this cut. I said, God, I don't want to cut a piece of my wiener off. And, um, and finally I did it. And I got a sharp stone, and, and it, you, know, you know, it was just, it was, and, um, and, uh, and then after that, after that, God made my dreams come true, and he called me his friend. What's my name? Abraham. Point number one for your notes is this, Abraham the prophet. Abraham the prophet. I scared some of y'all for a minute, didn't I? <laughs> some of the visitors were like, what's the name of this church again? It's First United Methodist Church of Myrtle Beach. We're glad you came. <laughs> Point number one, Abraham the prophet. So listen, for all you Bible people, do you know that God spoke to Abraham before Genesis chapter 12? And I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible. A lot of people think the first time God spoke to Abraham was Genesis 12, but he spoke in Genesis 11, and I'll show you why. Genesis 11:30. and Terah took his son Abram and Sarai. They went out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. They came to Haran and they dwelt there. Joshua 24, 2 says, Thus says the Lord God, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, served other gods. There's proof that Abraham came from a faith. The father of our faith, the grandfather of Israel, came from a family that worshipped false idols. Acts 7, 2, the God of glory appeared to Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. That is in Ur. Watch this. Before he dwelt in Haran. So God did speak to Abraham before Genesis 12, if you, which I know you don't care, but if you're ever in a Bible trivia game and they ask the question, now you know the answer. He told him to get out of your country and come to a land that I'll show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. So the reason they stayed um, in Ur, the reason they didn't leave Mesopotamia, is because Terah the father was making idols. And that area was the greatest um, area for idol worship. So he was making more money there. 
In other words, and I'm going to go through some little nuggets of wisdom as we look at Abraham's life, but in other words, they would rather make more money and be in the wrong place than make less money and have God's favor in their life. And I know a lot of people, in fact, probably a lot of y'all that finally moved to Myrtle Beach when you know God's been telling you for years because you would rather stay somewhere you weren't supposed to be and making more money than come to where God wants you to be and having his favor in your life. So Abraham was the prophet from God. God blessed him in abundance, but God used him for supernatural things, and Abraham did a lot of natural stuff as well. Here's something supernatural, Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said, in other words, he already said before Genesis 12 to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'll show you, and I will make you great. Now it's our job to make God great. He said this, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you in abundance. You'll be a blessing everywhere you go, dispensing good to others. And anyone that curses you, I'll take care of them. If they bless you, I'll bless them on and on. So Abram went. In other words, even if your entire family is not serving God, you can still be the one to make the change for the generations that come after you. So don't ever let your parents or your grandparents set the direction for your life. Let God set it for your life. So that was supernatural. Let's look at something that was natural. Nine verses later. Imagine God telling you he's going to bless you. And nine verses later in Genesis 12, 10, Abram went down to Egypt and he said to Sarai, his wife, I know you're beautiful, so when the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife. And they'll kill me, but let you live. Say that you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, that I may live for you. In other words, sleep with these guys, but do it for me, honey. You're doing it so that I can take care of you. And if you want some Bible history, in Genesis 26, 7, Isaac, their son, did the exact same thing with his wife because Abraham never broke that generational curse. So that's a very natural thing. Let's look at something supernatural. Abraham decided to tithe before God ever commanded or ever even used the word tithe. Genesis 14, 18, then Melchizedek, who was Jesus, and I can prove that in Hebrews 7, 3, brought out bread and wine. Do we know someone else that did that at the Last Supper? He was the high priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram of God. And Abram gave him, Melchizedek, or Jesus, a tithe of all. Okay, you don't give 10% of your income to anything that you don't believe in. So he's a believer. So I need you to see, this is a guy who's a believer, who God calls the prophet. There's only a few people on planet Earth at the time that God is speaking to. Abram's one of them. Supernatural things. Now let's look at something natural. Genesis 16.1, Sarah had borne Abram no children, so Sarah said, The Lord kept me from having children. Please sleep with my maid, Hagar. Perhaps I can have children by her. And Abram didn't even blink an eye. Abram didn't say, well, twist my arm a little bit. Abram didn't say, let me pray about it for a few minutes. Abram agreed. That is a very natural thing to do. I, I really want you to see that the people in the Bible... They're just like you and I are. So when you read your Bible, I don't want you to think, oh, it happened so long ago and all this. They struggled with the same things we struggle with, same things. So that's very natural. Let's look at something supernatural. Genesis, do you see Abram's life is just like this? We all think, man, after I've been serving God for 10 years, I should be better than this. After I've been in church for 15 years, I shouldn't have these problems. After I've been in church for 20 years and saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, now I'm not going to ever screw anything up. Okay, if that's the case, then you are unlike everybody in the Bible. Because they all just kept screwing things up. And you know how merciful God is? He just keeps coming back again and again and again and again. Because he knew he didn't mess up when he gave you the gift. He, he didn't think, oh man, I didn't know they were going to do that. And he knew the whole time. 
He just wants you to keep using it. Supernatural. So Genesis 17, 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Every male child among you shall have, they shall, they cut off a piece of their wiener. And you shall also do it to you too. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Abraham was 99 when he was circumcised. Okay, when you're 99 years old and you're picking up a sharp stone and you tell everybody to turn around for just a minute, you believe in the person that you're talking to who's asking you to do that. Can you imagine the conversation? Uh, Abraham, I, I want to bless you. and I want to do great things. Here's what you need to do. Every time you have a child, I need you to... You know, and Abraham said, oh, oh, it's no big deal. When the baby's born, we'll take care of it. He'll just, he won't even remember it. Won't he? And God said, well, I'm not done, Abraham. I want you to do it to yourself, too. What you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> Why? Well, because it's a covenant between me and you. Noah got a rainbow. Can you just give me, like, a flower or something like that? <laughs> do I got to cut the whole thing? You know, how far do I go, God? What do I do here? And Abraham did it. That is a supernatural thing to do. Genesis 17, 5, you are no longer Abram. Your name will be Abraham. As for Sarah, her name will be Sarah. Okay, do you see the H that God added to their name? Uh, the H in Hebrew is the letter for the Spirit or the breath of God. The Spirit of God was blown into their life, which is a supernatural thing. But I want you to see what God did. He took out the I and he added an H. And that is actually the goal for every one of us in this room is to remove the I want, I want, I want, I want and to add what does he want, what does he want, what does he want, what does he want. You see how God's not done with that? No matter what Abraham does, God just keeps coming back for more. You would think God would say, okay, I'm going to find somebody else. No one has screwed up this bad. I'm going to get somebody that's raised in a good Christian home with good Christian values who hasn't made the mistakes you've made and God just keeps coming back to Abraham. Let's look at something natural. Genesis 18.10. The Lord said, I will return to you and behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening. Now they were well past the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed on the inside. She didn't laugh on that. She laughed on the inside. Now watch this. God knows even what we do on the inside. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah lied to the face of God. She literally lied to God, saying, I did not laugh, or she was afraid. And God said, no, you laughed. You laughed. I, I know you laughed. I know you laughed. Okay, that's natural. Now, you think God would be like, okay, I'm done. You don't believe I can do it. You know, you're doing, I'm done with you. But God comes back again. Genesis 21.1, the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. You know the name Isaac actually means laughter? What I love about this is God took the very thing that she did when she doubted and God turned it around into their testimony. And now that is the very name of the blessing that God gave them. Laughter, Isaac. So beautiful. Okay, James 2.23. Abraham believed God and he was called God's friend. How did they become such good friends? I mean, he just keeps doing stupid stuff over and over again. You would think God would want a different friend. How did God and Abraham become such good friends? Here's how. Because no matter how many times Abraham fell, he just kept getting back up. And here's why. Oh, Proverbs 24, 16 says this. Though the righteous fall. You see, we all know that unrighteous people fall. We know it. 
So how can we tell a difference in the unrighteous and the righteous if everyone falls? Here's how the righteous keep getting back up. They keep using their gift. They keep coming to church. They keep serving no matter what foolish things they do. They keep going forward in life. Amen? So I'm a pastor, and um, my nickname is The Rock. That's what they call me, The Rock. I didn't come up with that, but that, that's my nickname. And it's because I'm the most faithful. I'm the strongest, honestly, of, of all the other ones, and it's obvious. That's why I'm called The Rock. And um, I walked on water. I walked on water. Nobody, nobody else did that. And everybody saw me do it, too. I made sure they saw me do it. And, um, and, and you would think that a rock would sink. But no, no, I, I was able to walk on water because uh, I'm the rock. If I told you that I'm the rock, I need, I need you to know that. And um, um, I had to rebuke Jesus one time because <laughs> sometimes he says things that other guys don't get. And I get it because I'm the rock, but they don't get it. And I, so I had to let them know, Jesus, that wasn't very good of you to say that. And then um, I, did, I did tell Jesus that I would be there for him. And I ended up not being there for him, but that's no big deal because I'm the rock and Jesus loves me the most. Who am I? Peter. Point number two for your notes, Peter the pastor. Peter, one of the most preeminent pastors of the entire Bible. This is proof, Peter is proof that even if you're walking hand in hand with Jesus every single day and he's right in front of you, you can still do stupid things. He can literally be sitting right next to you and you're talking to him and he's talking to you and you can be used by Satan in that moment. And I'll prove it to you <clears throat> biblically. So Matthew 14, 25, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they said, it's a ghost. They cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke saying, no, 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 it's me. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, well, if it's you, well, I, I just told you it's me, Peter. I, I just said it's me. If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and called him. So the disciples were in a boat. And all of a sudden, they said, oh, it's a ghost. And Peter says, well, listen, <laughs> I'll take care of this. Y'all are just such sissies. I know how to do this. Hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come walking on the water in the middle of this storm. And Jesus says, come. And Peter says, what? what, what did, uh, and the disciples are saying, he said, come. He said, get out of the boat, Peter. That's what he told you to do, get out of the boat. And Peter walks on water. That's supernatural. Now, surely somebody like that would live a perfect life for Jesus after that. Nothing, nothing, would, nothing bad would happen after that, right? You know, Peter's biggest problem was his mouth. Is that any of y'all's problem? Mainly if you're from up north. I'm, just, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. See, all you from up north just did something with your mouth that was wrong. I proved my point. Matthew 16, 13. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah. But Simon Peter, this is a miracle. This is a miracle from God himself. Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, blessed are you for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my father in heaven. This is a miracle, Peter. You said something right. I also say that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter walks on water. He knows that that is Christ the Messiah. Now Peter's good for life, right? Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and raised on the third day, which is good news. But Peter took the Son of God aside and began to verbally rebuke him. 
saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of... Okay, so Jesus is telling them, Jesus is pretty much preaching the gospel. I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, everything's going to be great. And Peter says, Lord, I need to talk to you for a minute. Um, come over here, you know, I, I understand you're under a lot of stress, but the other guys, they don't like it when you talk like this. Now me, I'm the rock, so I get it, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think you should say things like you're saying, you're scaring the other disciples. And Jesus looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. He just, <laughs> he just recognized that Jesus is the Messiah, and now he's being used by Satan. I bet Peter thought, you know what? That's it. I'm not going to say anything ever again. I'm closing my mouth. I'm never going to fall in this area. I am done saying stupid things. How many days do you think Peter went saying nothing stupid? Six days. In Matthew 17, 1, now after six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up a mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became dazzling as white light. And behold, Moses, who had been dead for 1,400 years, and Elijah, who had been dead for 800 years, appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered. Okay, nobody asked him anything. Nobody asked him a single thing. And you'll see so many times in the Bible that no one say nothing and Peter just answers, okay? Peter answered, Lord, you made a good choice when you brought me up here with you. I know you could have chose other guys, but you chose the right one. It is good that we're here. We should start three churches while we're up here. One for me, John, James. We'll have three churches. None of the other. They don't need to be a part of it. I'm the rock. You chose me. It's a good thing that I'm here. While he was still speaking. Now, it's very rare in the Bible where God the Father from heaven has to interrupt somebody talking on earth. This is one of those very few times. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Shut up and listen to him. Hear him, Peter. Hear him. What an amazing and a beautiful moment that Jesus was having with Moses and Elijah and Peter's thinking, you know what, I need to say something. I need to talk about how good it is that I'm here. I'm sure after that, Peter never said anything dumb anymore. And just so you know, Revelation 11.6, if you want to write it down, Revelation 11.6, the two witnesses in Revelation are Moses and Elijah, and that proves it by what we just read. But anyway, okay, so Jesus is washing their feet, right, Last Supper, and nobody says a single word except for one disciple. Who do you think it was? Okay, the only one to talk. This most beautiful historical moment, John 13, 3 through 9. Jesus rose from supper and took a towel, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part of me. Peter said, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Wash everything. Just wash it, wash it, wash it. Okay? Same context, Last Supper, same context. Mark 14, 31, then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written in the Bible, Strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered, but after I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Peter answered, no one said nothing to you, Peter, but he answered, Even if all fall, I'm not going to fall, because I'm the rock. 
Jesus said to him, I assure you, tonight before a rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. But Peter said it over and over and over again, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Peter, who's been walking with Jesus for years, looks at him and says, the Bible's wrong and I'm right. That's literally what he just said. The Bible's wrong. Jesus is quoting the Bible and he knows where he's quoting from and Peter says, it's wrong. I'm waiting for something supernatural, but I don't find anything yet. Here's something natural. Mark 14, 43. While Jesus was speaking, Judas came with a crowd of men, a garrison of soldiers with swords and clubs, and Peter, in his arrogance, thought he could take on all of them by himself. He drew his sword, struck Malchus, and cut off his ear. Why did Peter cut off his ear? Because he missed his head. Peter was going to take them all out, all of them out. And then you know the story. Peter denies Jesus. Natural, 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 natural. Okay. When it was all said and done, one of the most beautiful things happened, one of the most beautiful conversations between Peter and Jesus. Jesus comes to him when it's all said and done in John 21, 15, and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, Lord, I love you. He asked him again, do you love me? He said, yes, I love you. He asked him a third time, Simon Peter, do you love me? And Peter said this, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Here's what Jesus was saying. I know you love me. But do you know that I know that you love me? When Peter finally said, you know all things, that's when, that's when the conversation ended. Because finally Peter realized, I, fi- I did love Jesus the whole time. I knew I did, but I wanted to make sure Jesus knew that I knew that I loved him. So what I'm saying is, even when you fall, you still love Jesus. Even when you make a mistake, you still don't ever think that you have fallen out of love with Jesus when you do something stupid. We do things stupid because we're sinners and we're human. But we have to keep getting back up for God to use us because that's what changes us over and over. So watch this, Acts 2.41. Many, if, if Peter had stayed down, if he had been focused on the sin and not used his gift to pastor, here's what would have not happened. Many believed Peter's message. That day, 3,000 souls were baptized. Acts 5.15, so they brought the sick into the streets so that Peter's shadow might fall on some of... That's supernatural, isn't it? Now, surely Peter's learned his lesson and we can be done with Peter, right? Seven years after Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, seven years later, I can picture the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit up in heaven and the Holy Spirit's wanting to fall on the people. But they're waiting for Peter to get done talking. <laughs> Acts 10.44 says, While Peter was still speaking, I can picture the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, you need to go. He's not done talking. Just come on, come on. Peter, hurry up. Finish the message. Get to the conclusion. Come on. Last point, last point. Come on. Oh, forget it. When the Holy Spirit just falls. While he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of them. Um, my closing illustration is this. Jesus is not shocked at our sin. Sometimes we think he is, and, but he's not. Here's why. Hunters hunt. Golfers do what? Some people say lie, but golfers golf. <clears throat> Sinners, okay, did you sin last week? Did you sin yesterday in some way, some thought? Okay, so you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's why this scripture is so unusual. Because the have sinned is past tense, but the fall short is present tense. So you can read this scripture tomorrow and you'll fall short. You can read it on Tuesday 
and you'll fall short. Do you see that? It's always past tense of sin and always present tense, fall short. And Jesus is not shot at that. If you go to Jamaica or Bermuda, a place like that, the roads are so narrow. I mean, they are so narrow. And, um, and the steering wheel's on the wrong side of the car, so you're scared to death even sitting in the passenger seat. But the roads are narrow, and there's mopeds everywhere. And I've gone to Jamaica a few times, and, um, and there's no red lights in different places. And there's those four-way intersections, four cars, eight mopeds, and people are going around each other. And it's crazy. And the roads are small. And you know what? There's hardly any wrecks. Wrecks are very rare in Jamaica and Bermuda. Very rare. In America, we have some of the widest roads in the world. We have more policemen and more policewomen. We have more stoplights and stop signs and street signs. And do you know we are the leading country in wrecks? Why is that? Why is it that in Jamaica, Bermuda, Caribbean, the roads are narrow, there's cars everywhere and mopeds going, and nobody gets in a wreck. And in America, wide roads, red lights, and there's wrecks all the time. Here's why. In those other countries, Jamaican places, they expect people to get out of their lane. So they're always watching out. I mean, they are always watching out. They expect a moped to come around them any minute. They expect somebody to get over on their side of the street, so they're always looking for it. In America, we are shocked if you get out of your lane. If you even get this much of your tire over the line in the middle of the road, we will sit on our horn and give you the look of death. And then we'll see a red light up ahead and be so embarrassed that we're going to be next to you with a red light. And we're going to pretend like we're looking in the mirror trying to find our sunglasses or using our phone <clears throat> so we don't have to look at you. And then we see the solid rock sticker on the back of your car and we really feel stupid. But anyway, <clears throat> Jesus never expected sinners to stay in their lane. That's why he came to earth. He was not shocked at the woman caught in adultery. He was not shocked at the woman that had been married five times. He wasn't shocked at Zacchaeus who's stealing from people. And after church, Jesus goes and has lunch with him. And he was stealing from people. That never shocked Jesus. He never expected us to stay on. He knew we were going to get out of our lane. That's why, he came. That's why he's in our life. We are not Christians because we're good people. We're Christians because we want to be good people. And so he can change our life. That's why we're Christians. 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the gift in you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. My encouragement for you today and in this series is that you don't let your weaknesses stop you from letting God use you to do supernatural things in life. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. <clears throat> Heads bowed, eyes closed. We just want to take a few minutes for the Lord to speak to you. to help you discover some of your gifts as well during this series but if you're here today and you know that God's hand's been on your life like you know you know God's been wanting to use you to do something that you can't do on your own something that would be supernatural whether it's praying for the sick and them healed opening up your own business being the world's best giver whatever it is there's something that you know God's been wanting to use you 
And the reason you hadn't stepped out is because of your weaknesses or your faults or your flesh patterns. If that's you, can I raise your, raise your hand right now so I can just pray for you right where you're at? Okay, hands up. Just wow. Wow. Over half the church. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Keep those hands raised. Lord, thank you right now for the gifts and the calling that you've given every person in this room, especially those with their hands lifted, God, right now. I ask that you begin to give them a vision of what you want to do in their life, a vision of their future, a vision of how you want to use them to build your kingdom. Lord, we rebuke the enemy of condemnation. We rebuke Satan and all of his lies. Lord, we ask the demons of hell to go back to hell where they belong. We remove guilt out of this room, condemnation, focusing on sin, and we focus on grace. We focus on what Jesus did for us so that we can hold our head up high, so we can be used by God. Lord, change us in your time, your way. Our goal is to focus on using the gift for you. Lord, you can be the one to change our hearts from the inside out. We can't do it. If we could do it, we'd change ourselves right now. We can't do it. That's why we have you. So, Lord, I ask that you begin to grow every person in this room in the area of their gift. Open doors, like your word says. Open doors as they use that gift. Let us not be timid, afraid, or shy to use the gift that you've given us. Let us do it with boldness, confidence, vigor, and strength in the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for beginning to baptize every person in this room in your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for beginning to use us in mighty, mighty ways. To start with just changing the city that we live in, Lord. Let Solid Rock be a beacon of light to all of Myrtle Beach. Let this be a place where people's gifts are coming to fruition in new ways like never before. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're going to do in our life as we surrender that gift to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen and amen.